Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in Thursday edition of the program. You know what that means. It's game day, Indiana hosting Purdue tonight. I uh, I read these numbers on the uh, show. I meant to get them earlier yesterday. I read them at the very close of the program, and I thought I would start with them today. If this doesn't fire you up, if you're an IU faithful, I'm not sure which will or what will. But the, the last win for IU over Purdue was all the way back on February 20th of 2016, that was 2,160 days ago from game day today. Uh, since that point, Purdue has won nine straight against the Hoosiers. And uh, interestingly enough, they've won all those games by an average of nine points in their victories as well. And five of the nine wins in a row for Purdue uh, have come at Assembly Hall. So it's safe to say nine in a row, five wins at Assembly Hall, of those nine, Purdue has dominated Indiana. Can Indiana at home tonight? Uh, Purdue just a three-and-a-half-point favorite, so the uh, betting line expecting a tight game. Can Indiana get it done tonight? Can they pull not only an upset, but this would be a really huge piece uh, to their standing in the Big Ten, especially with what's ahead. I think there are some – and we're going to talk about this later, but I think there's some really good opportunities ahead regardless of what happens tonight for Indiana to, to rack up some wins here. We'll go through that with Alex a little bit later today, but I uh, wanted to start with that. Uh, uh, definitely a big rivalry game. I've heard unbelievable amounts that tickets are being resold for uh, for the game tonight. So it's obviously going to be an awesome environment in Bloomington. And I really do think, I really do think, and of course I could eat crow, I've had to do it before, but I really do think it'll be a good, good game. I'm not at all going to sit here and tell you I think that Indiana's going to win the ball game. But I do think that that three-and-a-half line favoring Purdue, uh, I would agree with that. I think it will be the very close two, three, four-point contest if I was going to make some sort of bet. So also one other note I want to mention, and we'll get more into this as well later, but uh, last night in the Big Ten, just to underscore the craziness of the conference and college hoops and the ability to play at home and how important that is. Rutgers last night, 48-46 winners over Iowa. Not a huge upset, but definitely something that caught me by surprise. And if you start to look at this Rutgers team and their record, especially at home, they have been really, really good this year. They beat Purdue at home. Remember the the like three last-second shots, basically, regulation and overtime, maybe even double overtime, I can't remember. Uh, but they've been really good, really strong at home. Rutgers, a big win in the conference last night. So you got to kind of reevaluate things when you think about Indiana and Rutgers. Rutgers, much different uh, standing hierarchy in the conference than I thought, uh, than what I thought they would be this season. But that's just a crazy score from last night. And of course, getting ready for the big one tonight, the only game on the Big Ten slate 
Purdue and Indiana uh, t- tipping off at 7 o'clock. And one other note I had down to mention here at the start of the show, uh, the pregame show will be on. I've, I've heard from a number of you, hey, you always pump up Don Fisher and hearing Mike Woodson, the starting lineup before the game starts. Uh, yes, there's a couple times the pregame show has not aired. I don't always know when that's going to be and when it's not. But definitely tonight, our trusty producer, Douglas Scott Wolverton, says our computer is set to bring you the IU pregame coverage at 6 o'clock and, of course, the tip-off at 7 o'clock. So uh, I love the, the pregame. I really do. Don Fisher, obviously, is awesome. You get a chance to see if there's any changes in the starting lineup officially long before it's announced anywhere else. And then obviously you get it's recorded, but you get the last words from Coach Woodson before the game uh, gets underway. So that's always fun. All right, let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Busy, busy show today, so we're going to fly through this. Segment one coming up here in moments. Greg Mingelt of Hoosier Hills Hoops joins the show. There's a lot to talk about. Big weekend of high school basketball ahead. Romeo Lankford got some playing time last night just when you were ready to count him out with the Celtics and obviously something going on there. He got some minutes and he scored some points last night, so we'll talk about that. That coming up as well. Thought I was going to sneeze, excuse me, but we'll talk about that coming up as well. Also get you ready for this weekend. With Greg, lots of local basketball stuff, always fun uh, to talk with Greg about here on Thursdays. And then later in the show, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall will be my guest, and we'll talk IU-Purdue. And then we'll close things out with a quick chat later with Brian Newbert. He's with Golden Black. Uh, He's the best guy on Purdue that I know, Uh, and uh, a very fair view of not just the Boilermakers, but the the Hoosiers and the Big Ten Conference, and so he's going to come on from a Purdue perspective to preview tonight's rivalry game as well. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open. Uh, send in your questions, comments, predictions on IU Purdue, and anything else you want to hear about today, questions, comments, local sports, whatever it may be, uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Again, 502-414-1450. And while you're at it, uh, download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings every day on Fuel. All right, let's get right to our first guest, Greg Mingelt joins me today to talk some local basketball. Greg is the lead writer for HoosierHillsHoops.com, covering all sorts of basketball topics here in the area. Uh, Greg, big one tonight, and you're from uh, the Purdue perspective. You uh, grew up in that area. You you follow Matt Painter and the Boilermakers. So before we get into any of the local stuff or the high school stuff, what's your feel on tonight's game? Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. You know, uh, this is – uh, one of my favorite days of the year, as well as IU fans, and uh, I can't wait. Um, bad news for IU fans: I found my lucky Purdue shirt, so <laughs> it's going to be ten in a row. We got it loud and clear, Greg. We got your prediction. All right, let's uh, let's talk some local sports, uh, local basketball specifically with Greg uh, Romeo Langford. Greg, we talked last week, and really since the holidays, that Romeo's playing time. Uh, had dissipated basically to nothing. Uh, he had some big games before Christmas, uh, playing maybe his one or two best NBA games of his career leading right up to the Christmas holiday, and that all seemed to be uh, going away. He he and others on that bench were just really not getting opportunities. But last night, Romeo did get some minutes, 
He made the best of it. He scored 11 points in a loss for the Celtics. So now we'll have to wait and see, was that just a temporary little spot where the Celtics were trying some other rotations or maybe a lack of, uh, of rotations, tightening up the lineup a little bit? And is Romeo going to get some minutes moving forward? He sure had a good outing last night. Yeah, that's always good to see. Uh, I don't think anyone has ever doubted that Romeo can score the basketball. Uh, that's for sure. Um, uh, it, it, can he be a player at the NBA level? Uh, we're still going to find out, I guess. It's it's been kind of a, it's been a really interesting season to see what's happened. Uh, just when you think, hey, he's in the rotation regularly, then he's not. Now he's back in the last couple of games, actually, not just. Uh, this one, but the last couple of games, he's gotten some increased minutes. So I think he played 18 minutes last night, 15 the game before, something like that. So, um, you know, I guess the answer is I don't know, just like everybody else, what, what's going on. Uh, Greg, uh, local stuff to get to, big weekend of high school basketball. We've got the New Albany at Silver Creek game is our lone broadcast this weekend, and I'm looking forward to that when it's two teams – with some similar struggles, neither team is a bad team. Both are capable on any night, I think, of beating just about anyone. Uh, New Albany has some firepower with Tucker Biven, and at, at certain nights they've got others that, stay, uh, that uh, step up as well. And Silver Creek obviously has been led all season long, every game by Brandon mm-hmm. Northern. He's had just a tremendous year. I think that has a potential to be a really good midseason type game. It's meaningless as far as conference or a preview right. of the sectional uh, tournament here in a month or so, a month and a half or so is. But uh, I think it'll be a good one on Friday. Yeah, but it's funny, uh, especially New Albany. Uh, their schedule has been so uh, it's kind of uh, unbalanced. And they've played, uh, what, five really good teams and then a few teams that they beat pretty easily. So they've all been either losses or blowout wins. So. Uh, I think this is going to be one of the first games where it's one of those uh, could be really even type games, Um, you know, uh, especially at Silver Creek. I think uh, this one, uh, you know, and and Silver Creek similar. I don't think anybody uh, should be counting out Silver Creek at this point, especially when you have a player as good as Bryant Northern. I know there are uh, three or four really good teams in that sectional, but if you're counting out Silver Creek at this point, uh, I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the Red Devils of Jeff, uh, Greg, they've had a tough go of it. Uh, 22-day pause that uh, you wrote a lot about uh, because of some COVID issues. They came back Friday and Saturday and lost games to rivals. Really kind of fell apart, especially that Floyd Central game in the second half. Then to make matters worse, Tuesday night, they played a good North Oldham team. They had an 11-point lead at halftime ended up losing on a last-second shot. The Red Devils get back at it this weekend, and the good thing for Andrew Grant's club, it's Columbus East at home, and the Olympians uh, have had a tough, tough go of it. They are just 2-10 and this season. Jeff should uh, maybe get a win and get an opportunity to see if they can get things rolling. Yeah, the rest of the month they have uh, Columbus East at home and Bedford North Lawrence at home, two games that they should win on their home court, Um, hopefully – uh, for them, that'll get them going in February. Uh, I don't think that it's panic mode yet, but I think that last week, in the last week or so, you have to um, have some concern about what's going on there. They're two and eight now. They have some excuses, some some really valid excuses for being two and eight. Uh, but at this point, um, we're going to need to see that they're that they are the team that we thought they were going to be coming into the season because they. They clearly haven't played like that. And, uh, again, I don't think there's any panic. I think by the time you get to the sectional, it's possible that they could have turned a corner uh, and become the best team because they're talented. Um, But 
you know, as you know, talent doesn't always win uh, high school basketball games. Yeah, I've told people as recent as just the other night, I think I've said it on this show, I'm telling you, by the end of the year, Jeff's going to be good. Whether they can put it all together and win a sectional or beat Floyd Central, I, I don't know that. We're a long way, I think, from being able to really think about that. But this Jeff team has lots of talent, and they've played well yeah. together before. So if they can get it going again, uh, we'll see how they, uh, the Red Devils do in March. It's just been an unbelievable season as far as struggles for them. Greg, got to talk. That's right, and and they have some good, a good freshman class that they're kind of mixing in there too. So, um, it, it, so a lot of a good mix of some veterans and some freshmen should be a really good mix uh, as we head down the stretch. Maybe they can get some momentum going. Greg, got to talk a little bit of girls basketball. Been a big week. There've been some big regular season games on the girls' side earlier this week, and few, in fact, a few tonight as well. Uh, and getting ready for the state tournament pairing show on Sunday, we'll learn from Indianapolis who's going to play who. And the girls' tournament, the drawing Sunday, uh, just a few weeks from now, sectional action will be here, which marks the start of the postseason really for a lot of different basketball entities and, and levels. So uh, that's always fun, and I think that Silver Creek obviously is a team to follow. The defending 3A state champions will look at their draw very closely when it comes out on uh, Sunday. But with the Dragons and others, maybe what are some things to look at in the draw when it uh, happens on Sunday for the girls? Yeah, and don't forget about Jeff at New Albany on Friday for the girls. Not as big a game as usual because uh, neither team has been that good this year, but um, always a big rivalry game. Yeah, I, I think um, you know the sectionals. At least, at least two of them, we're pretty sure we know who's going to win. Although that three A sectional is awfully good. Silver Creek is, uh, we assume, is going to be the best team in the South. Maybe another state finals run, uh, but that is an awfully good sectional. Um, and but you know the truth is we have two or three um, state championship type contenders. It's obviously Silver Creek, obviously Lanesville. If if Silver Creek should stumble, Corden Central seems to be that good. Um, so there are a lot of teams around here that I think um, are going to make some deep runs. Uh, the sectionals, I don't know how good they're going to be. Uh, I think it looks like some of them will be dominated by. Silver Creek, Lanesville, those types of teams. Yeah, absolutely. Greg Mingelt, lead writer for HoosierHillsHoops.com. A lot of the things we talk about each week, Greg is writing about almost on a daily basis. You can read uh, his coverage of so much about Southern Indiana basketball at the HoosierHillsHoops.com website. All right, Greg, thank you. Appreciate the chat today. Uh, some fun, fun times coming up with the girls' state tournament. It'll be here in just a few weeks, and that's the precursor for the boys as well. So we've got some great chats ahead. Thanks, Matt, and boiler up, Hoosier Nation. <laughs> Greg Mingelt, uh, always getting in that uh, that shout-out for Purdue as well when he's with us uh, here on the show. As we head to break in a moment, I, I want to mention a couple other headlines that, uh, that you need to know today. First and foremost, uh, from a local perspective, I want to give a shout-out to Isaac Hibbard of New Albany. He recently surpassed 1,000 points at Hanover, and last night he had a game-high 16 points as his Hanover team won their fourth straight conference game. Hanover setting up to be a really solid Division Three team, and uh, last night Hibbard 16 points, uh, who's, and he's having a great, great senior year for Hanover. Uh, and that's no surprise if you followed him at New Albany or you've tracked his career at Hanover. He was a senior last year but set out when all the COVID stuff set in and the season became so crazy so he could hopefully get in 
one final really good year of basketball with some consistency. And so far, things seem to be working out not only for Hibbard and Hanover. Uh, they, they, they've got a chance, I think, to do some good things coming up in their Division Three tournament a little bit later in the season. Also, yesterday, Indiana made it official uh, the addition of Paul Randolph as the defensive line coach for IU. Uh, Randolph comes to the Hoosiers after spending the previous three seasons as the D-line coach for Texas Tech. Randolph, a 20-year veteran of college football. And again, this is nothing new if you've been listening. We we all believed and had confirmation that Randolph would be probably the final addition, final piece of Tom Allen's staff for next year, but the school made it official uh, with a press release yesterday. And one other little quick thing I want to we'll, – we'll get with uh, Alex on this coming up in a moment. But uh, Finnish guard from Finland, Myro Little, is scheduled to begin – his official visit at Indiana today. So he's going to be on campus uh, at the game tonight, the Purdue game. I've seen a few other recruits announce that they are expected to be there for this big game tonight and get to really experience a rocking assembly hall. But Little's been a very interesting player to me. He's uh, what we would consider class of 2023. So the equivalent in Finland would be, you know, the same as a junior in high school right now. Uh, six foot foot six foot four guard, and uh, if you've seen any highlights or clips of him, he he's a very intriguing player. I know he's been in the states here recently. He was at Baylor uh, for the Baylor Oklahoma game. He was also uh, at Villanova most recently for the Villanova Marquette game, and then again it's going to be at Indiana through Friday. I don't know if he has any other official visits scheduled while he's in the states or not, but Indiana's been to see him. Dane Fife's been over there twice to watch him play. And so we'll see if that sort of work uh, lands a commitment for the Hoosiers once Little gets back to his homeland and has a chance to break down uh, some of these visits that he's been on here in the last few days. We'll head to a commercial break. Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Got one text already. Texter says, and this is another tough one for IU fans to, to hear, but Texter says, when one team dominates, as Purdue has for so long, it hardly can be considered a rivalry. At this point, it is just one team that always dominates the other. I mean, that's that's a fair fact. It's been it's been a number of years, nine games in a row, Purdue has won five of those at Assembly Hall. We'll head to a break. Alex Bojic is next. We've got lots of IU discussion coming up with Alex. And then Brian Newbert of Golden Black joins us to talk about things from a Purdue perspective. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And back here on this Thursday program, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall with us for a game day chat on IU and Purdue coming up tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off, 6 o'clock pregame coverage right here on the Big X with Don Fisher. Alex, uh, this is a great rivalry in the Big Ten in college basketball, but 
as we've all written and discussed this week, it's been a rivalry dominated by Purdue. Despite that, um, I can't remember a game uh, that any time this season, of course, as you would expect, that IU fans have been as pumped up and as ready for and ticket prices going for ridiculous numbers on the resale market as this game tonight. Hoosier fans are hopeful. Yeah, hope springs eternal on that. Even uh, <laughs> despite the despite the fact that Indiana has been uh, dominated really since 2016 by Purdue, it's a new era, and you know I think there's a belief that Indiana is going to be in this game, and I think it's well founded uh, based on what we've seen so far out of the Hoosiers at home and some of the vulnerabilities at times that Purdue has shown away from home. Now, they are coming off a really impressive win at Illinois, but you look at some of their performances that they've had uh, away from home this year, obviously losing to Rutgers. They played a game against NC State, which is not a top 100 team in Ken Palm, up at the Barclays Center and needed overtime to win. So there's obviously a lot of things uh, going in Indiana's favor tonight. Uh, The fact that they're at home, I think, is the biggest one and they do have uh, some momentum now coming out of that Nebraska game. On the flip side of that, the reality is, uh, Matt, as much as Indiana fans don't want to hear this, Purdue is, <clears throat> at this point in time, the best team in the Big Ten. I think they're a team with legitimate uh, legitimate chance to make a deep NCAA tournament run. I'm not ready to call them a, you know, a team that I would uh, project to go to the Final Four or anything at this point, but they're very good. They're, they're well coached. Uh, you know, I think in terms of Big Ten coaches, uh, Matt Painter is as well-respected as, as any of them. And they have three really good players that are hard to match up against. So I think it's going to be a terrific atmosphere. Uh, I think it has the potential to be a really good game, but we'll see uh, if Indiana can can match uh, on the court uh, the atmosphere and the energy that's going to be present from the fans. All right, Alex, I'm curious. I mean, you follow this team, and this is all opinionated, but I, I, I mentioned earlier, and I went through some reasoning why, but I, I feel like this game will be close. I know the betting line, when I looked a little earlier this morning, was Purdue a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I, I do feel like this will be a three- to five-point ball game tonight. The only thing that does concern me with that prediction a little bit is what you mentioned, the Purdue road win on MLK Day in double overtime. They look really good against a strong Illinois team that had Andre Corbello back you know, your thoughts, would you bet this is a close game tonight? I'm not saying Indiana's going to win, but do you think this will be one that is a possession or two ball game? It's really hard to to uh, envision Indiana just getting completely blown out. Uh, I don't see that happening. Um, what I, you know, the, the question for me is, uh, and I asked Mike Woodson this yesterday, uh, he didn't really give an answer, which I wasn't really expecting him to, to tell me his game plan. But the biggest question for me is, you look at Indiana right now, they haven't played uh, any of the teams in the Big Ten that have like re- a really good front court. And this is obviously the cream of the crop. I mean, Illinois got Kofi and Michigan, who they're going to see Sunday as Hunter Dickinson. But we haven't seen how Indiana is going to defend the post against a really good front court player. And I'm curious to see how they approach uh, Zach Eady and how they approach Travion Williams because I think there's two different strategies that could be in play here. Obviously, with Eady, uh, you want to try to keep him from catching the ball at all because once he does catch the ball, it's usually deep in the post, and by that time, he can't really send help. He's, he's typically, you look at his numbers, 
if he catches the ball deep in the post, he's going to turn around, make a layup, dunk, or get fouled. That's that's what the numbers say. With Williams, is a little bit different in that he's more of a back-to-basket, you know, dribble, take a couple dribbles and make a decision. And that's where I think you can really get hurt against Purdue. I think with Edie, you have to live with some of the stuff that he's going to get close to the basket. You know, a two is better than him passing out and getting a, a wide-open three for Stefanovic or Isaiah Thompson or the various shooters. But with Williams, I think it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how Indiana approaches that because he is the best passing big man uh, in the Big Ten, maybe one of the best in the country. You look at his assist rate, he's sixth in the conference in assist rate. That's pretty impressive for a six-foot-ten guy. And I think that's, a, that's where you have a chance to get really hurt. I mean, Edie is, is probably going to get his to some extent. You're not going to stop him from catching the ball deeper into the post. But, you know, Williams is playing more minutes than Edie, and oftentimes he's playing the more important minutes of the game. So uh, that, to me, is, is really going to tell me a lot about his, how Indiana approaches this and, and whether or not they can be uh, successful in the game. I know this is such a, a basic question that is discussed before each and every game, it seems, but there are a couple things that really stand out uh, for tonight's ball game, I think. And number one is uh, keeping turnovers down as, as far as keys to the game for IU. And the reason I specifically mentioned turnovers first is because we've kind of seen a turnover trend where those numbers have not been good the last few games. So, uh, And that has been, at times, a category Indiana's been able to keep a reasonable number in the turnover column. But to me, turnovers, number one, and then can this team, can some of these guards, this is the age-old IU problem, the age-old IU topic. Can some of these guards uh, uh, knock down perimeter shots? I think those are two really key areas of the game tonight, probably very obvious areas for IU. Yeah, and with the turnovers, it's not just the number of turnovers. It's the number of live ball turnovers that include Jaden Ivey because, you know, you can turn it over against certain teams and, and maybe they uh, they don't go the other way very well or they don't capitalize on the turnovers if you if you turn the ball over to Jaden Ivey uh, I'm not sure how much you watched the other day uh, against Illinois but in the open court Matt he's one of the best that there is I mean that's why he's going to be you know a top 10 pick in, in next June's draft in all likelihood he, he you you throw the ball around against him and he gets it he's going he's going to the other end he's probably going to dunk or get fouled so that has a chance to be a really uh bad outcome for Indiana if they're turning the ball over and, and Ivy's getting his hands on it going the other way. In terms of the three-point shooting, I agree with you 100%. Indiana was pretty good early in the Big Ten season, but if you look at their numbers recently, they've kind of tailed off a little bit, uh, specifically in conference-only play. They're really a below-average three-point shooting team, so who's going to step up and make some perimeter shots? I don't see a way for Indiana um, to slow down Purdue's offense enough to where they're going to make this a game that's being played in the 50s or 60s, uh, you know, I think the two teams that beat Purdue, I think they held them into the, into the to the high 60s, which I think would be a huge win for Indiana. But Purdue, they're the number one offense in the country right now, according to Ken Palm. They're 65th uh, defensively, so I think Indiana is going to have to be able to score uh, in the half court and, and uh, you know counter Purdue's uh, offense because I, I just don't see as good as Indiana's offense has been. Uh, as good as their defense has been, uh, sorry, I don't necessarily see them being able to uh, to hold Purdue down much below you know the high sixties or low seventies. Alex, as good or it, I don't want to say as good, but as as tough of years as Indiana has had, uh, some mm-hmm. coach, coaching changes, some highs and lows, 
Indiana's always been pretty good at worst on Assembly Hall. The fact that this Purdue team has not only won nine straight, uh, but also the fact that of those nine, five of them have come at Assembly Hall, uh, that's a number that I think it'd be hard to find any other comparison, even going back in history, to see a team that's had the success on Assembly Hall court that Purdue has had these last uh, nine meetings or five of the nine meetings. Yeah, I mean that's th- throw the throw the rivalry out, and Mike Mike Woodson kind of did uh, yesterday. He said most importantly, this is, Indiana's got to protect their home court, and I think that's one thing they really got away from in the last couple seasons under Archie Miller. They didn't hold serve at home enough. Uh, you, you really, you know, if you're if you're only going to win two or three Big Ten road games, which it looks like Indiana uh, is headed down that path uh, based on their performance so far, it could turn around. They're going to have to win most of their home games. And this is an important three-game stretch. Obviously, everyone's focused on tonight, but they've got three opportunities here in a row at home to kind of continue to bolster their resume. So they have to uh, be able uh, to continue winning their home games. And it's pretty remarkable how lopsided this series has been now for a while. I mean, Tom Crean had those those two years. I think it was 2011-12 and 2012-13, where I think Indiana beat them four straight. It was, wasn't really close. And that was kind of the time when – Purdue had some had some down years and, and things weren't going very well and there was some some rumbling uh, in terms of uh, the, the performance that Painter uh, was doing at, at Purdue. But you know since then he's really dominated uh, this series and in many ways and the pressures on Indiana to, to revert, reverse the trend because it's been completely one sided now for a while. Now, I think it was I don't know the exact number of days, but it was over twenty one hundred days now. I think it is since Indiana's beaten Purdue. That's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You you touched on this, but I, I do want to look at the IU schedule coming up because obviously Purdue, highly ranked, maybe a Final Four caliber team as much as it pains Indiana fans. Uh, there's nothing wrong with losing this game. That's not what Indiana fans want to hear, but that's just realistic. Uh, but ahead, Michigan coming to town on Sunday. Penn State, a chance for a revenge with how bad IU played in that game a few weeks ago at Penn State. And then a road game at Maryland, who's struggling in Big Ten Conference play. Uh, Definitely Mm -hmm. beyond this Purdue game, which we know is going to be tough, I think a really interesting swing coming up for Indiana where they could potentially, unless the bottom falls out, uh, pick up some wins here. Two at home, one on the road. And Michigan's still good. I mean, it's not the Michigan team we thought heading into the year that would be the front runner in the Big Ten Conference and maybe a top five or, or ten ball club, but Nonetheless, there's some opportunities ahead. Uh, whether you include the Purdue game tonight in that swing or not, it's up to you. But definitely some chances for this Indiana team, I think, at home and on the road. Yeah, I mean, you look at the stretch of games they got coming up. I mean, Ken Palm's got them winning three of the next four. Uh, that includes Purdue, Michigan, Penn State, and then at Maryland, which Maryland looks like they're going completely in the tank at this point. They're down all the way down to 95 on Ken Palm, and they look uncompetitive the other night. Uh, against Michigan, but yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of similar to a spot that Indiana's been the last couple of years, where they they've started out decent in Big Ten play, and then the bottom just falls out. And they have a long uh, losing streak. I mean, at, you know, as much people, I agree with you, Matt. They don't. It's, it's not a big deal if they lose this game tonight. I mean, in terms of just the overall picture of the season, uh, I do think though these next three games they need to win two of them. I mean, so that means they need to beat Purdue or Michigan. Purdue. Mi- Michigan, uh, if, if they lose to Purdue, they got to win the next two. If they win tonight, they need to win one of the next two, I think, to keep themselves kind of in the 
in the mix and to, to be a solid NCAA tournament team. They start losing multiple home games, and then all of a sudden you look at the rest of the road schedule and you think about Maryland, Northwestern, uh, Minnesota. Probably going to have to win two of those three uh, to get back into the uh, to where they want to be. So uh, not a game they're uh, being projected to win tonight. Definitely a game that they could win. Um, but uh, I would say out of these next two, uh, three games, they definitely need to win two of them. Mike Woodson's first game as the IU coach in this Purdue rivalry. Uh, I listened after the fact to his uh, media availability yesterday, and obviously he he understands as well as anyone as a former player uh, what this game means to fans and the schools and the state of Indiana, really. But I I thought yesterday he somewhat downplayed it multiple times, saying, you know, it's just another game. We've got to protect our home court. Purdue happens to be who's next on the schedule. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting. But clearly he gets what this rivalry, what this series is all about. Well, you don't want to psych your team out either. I mean, you don't want to – there's a balance between understanding how important the game is and, and then making it, you know, a, a big deal mentally for these guys. You don't want them – you obviously want them to be up for the game. They're going to be up for the game because the atmosphere is going to be electric. But you just got to focus on the opponent and yourself and not worry about all the other stuff. I mean, you can talk about the nine-game losing streak. You can talk about the fact that Purdue's ranked fourth in the country. You can talk about the fact that IU fans are are just desperate to get a win over Purdue. None of that matters really when the ball goes up and the, and the game actually starts. The players have to be locked into the scouting report. And most importantly, I think Mike Woodson brought up a pretty good uh, point yesterday on his press conference. He was asked about whether or not you know, he kind of locks into what he his team's doing or the opponent. And he, he basically said, you know, it's we focus on ourselves. I mean, you really can't control what the other team's going to do. I mean, Zach Eadie's going to get his post-touches. Travion Williams is going to get his post-touches. Sasha Stefanovich is probably going to make some threes. Jaden Ivey's going to make some, some plays. Uh, that's just the reality when you're playing a really good team like Purdue. Indiana has to focus on the things that they can control and the things that they can do well. And if they do those things well, like you mentioned, make threes, take care of the ball, uh, and, and not, um, you know, make any – uh, plays that, that kind of uh, are self-destructive, which you've seen at times in the second half uh, against Wisconsin. We saw it in the second half at Iowa, where Indiana just kind of has that point in the game where they melt down as a team and everything, the wheels start coming off. They're going to have to play, you know, 37, 38, 40 minutes of really good basketball if they want to beat Purdue. That's just the reality when you're playing a team that that's as talented as this and as good as this. Uh, that's what it's going to take to win. So we'll see if they're up to the task. Yeah, no question. Talking with Alex Bozich of InsideTheHall.com, you can read there lots of preview content, uh, both audio and written, of tonight's uh, Indiana-Purdue game. Alex, I do want to switch gears and talk recruiting for just a minute. Myro Little uh, from Finland is in the States. He's had a couple visits uh, here the last few days. Baylor and Villanova, Indiana is where he's at today and will be there through Friday for an official visit. Uh, so an opportunity here for Indiana to uh, try to put the sell on a player that clearly uh, they really have an interest in. Dane Fife has been to the country of Finland twice, uh, including uh, during the season, during the IU season when things are really hectic, to watch him play and let him know the interest is strong. What what do you know about Little? I know I've, I've just seen some clips. He seems impressive, six foot four guard but uh, clearly this is a guy you really want you know it looks like on film what they need which is a big guard that can 
create plays for himself and create for others. Uh, you look at this roster right now, there's the guard play has been the most scrutinized thing about it. I think he's done, Mike Woodson's done a really good job going out and getting Jalen Hood, Shafino and, and Gabe Cups and Ja'Kai Newton for the 2023 class. And, and Little obviously is a 2023 kid as well, but they, they need more uh, depth and they need more players who can, who can do the things that is talked about. You know, their, their guard play right now is just way too one dimensional. Their wings too, too one dimensional. I mean, Parker Stewart, He's a good three-point shooter, but what else does he do well? Miller Cobb, you can say the same thing about him. He, he makes threes, but what else does he do well? They need more well-rounded players that can play in the backcourt and play in the wing that can, you know, when the shot clock breaks down late in the game, who can go get you a bucket? Who can go set somebody else up and make a play? And this guy looks exactly like uh, somebody who's capable of doing that. And you know you're on the right track when Baylor and Villanova are also involved in the recruitment because – those teams every year are good, and uh, if they want him, then he's definitely uh, a guy that is talented and has a chance to make a pretty significant impact. So, good good opportunity for Indiana tonight to, um, you know, make it make a good impression. The crowd should be uh, ridiculous. You know, it's his first time being at IU, so if you know he comes to the visit and it's a crazy atmosphere and they beat Purdue or, or play really well, and, and the atmosphere impresses him, I think it's a great chance to make a a strong impression and as you mentioned you know they've put a lot of time in recruiting him and it's definitely somebody they want to get so we'll see how how it all plays out but uh you know that's uh, basically uh what they need in the in the backcourt are players to me who are a little bit bigger uh a little bit more athletic and a little bit more uh in ter- well-rounded in terms of what they can do uh, on both ends of the court yeah good stuff alex bozich inside the hall alex as always thank you Yep, thank you, Matt. All right, Alex Bozich with us on Thursdays for the latest. And I, you want to get a couple quick texts in from the Thornton's text line, then we'll head to our final break. Uh, Texter writes, uh, who's your nation? Have no fear. Whenever I place a bet, the opposite team always wins. So I'm betting Purdue to guarantee an IU victory tonight. Go Hoosiers. That text from A. Wren and also uh, another text here. This is a good one. Uh, when the NIT tourney was still highly competitive and revered, Woodson and IU beat Purdue in the championship game at Madison Square Garden. Ma- uh, Woodson definitely cares about this game. So a couple of good texts, uh, funny text, one of them as we head to a commercial break. Uh, Brian Newbert of Golden Black is next. We'll talk more about this IU-Purdue game from a Boilermaker perspective. Brian's really good. We're also going to chat if we have time about the Big Ten Conference for a moment as well. Stay with us for that. Game day, IU Purdue, 7 o'clock tonight. Big one. Going to be a lot of fun. I think the Hoosiers can hang. We'll see. Back with more after this here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for. All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Final segment here on this Thursday program, an opportunity to hear from Brian Newbert. He's the editor of goldenblack.com. 
and I think the best Purdue guy out there when it comes to following the Boilermakers and uh, what a season they are having. Brian, a quick preview from a Purdue side as we head into this rivalry game tonight. First, I had a chance to watch much of the second half and obviously the two overtime periods as well on Monday, and I left that contest, came away from that game very impressed with where Purdue is at right now. Obviously, offensively, they are really good. Defense, I think, has improved in recent games as well, and that was a huge win in advance of this IU rivalry on the road at Illinois. Yeah, I think it represented something more than just a really good win, too. I think Illinois was kind of a hump Purdue had to get over. The last couple of years, you know, Illinois has been markedly tougher uh, than Purdue, uh, markedly more physical. And I think for Purdue to win a game that was that tough and that physical uh, and that long, you know, when, um, you know, this was the second road game in a row, Penn State did the same thing, where Illinois made a lot of really, really difficult plays, a lot of difficult shots. Typically in the Big Ten, when you're on the road and the home team goes on runs like that where you just can't get stops because they're making every shot they need to make to be in the game, that can that can really go sideways on you. And for Purdue to have weathered that and beat a really good team on their home floor, um, that was a real sign of progress, especially given the nature of the opponent. Illinois has really had Purdue's number of the last couple of years. As I said before, they've been a lot tougher. They've they've played harder that they've made things really difficult for Purdue offensively. And I, I thought that was a hump Purdue sort of had, to, had to get over. And I think it, it kind of represented growth for Purdue. Um, I think, you know, ever since the Wisconsin loss here a couple of games ago, Purdue has really uh, improved from a defensive perspective. They have gotten tougher. Uh, they seem to have kind of figured some things out. They're playing with maybe a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different demeanor to them, and I think you know there's some real there are some real silver linings coming out of that Wisconsin loss a couple of games back. All right, Brian, I want to want to mention this. I, I follow the Kim, Ken Palm ratings closely from time to time, and uh, by my count, uh, Purdue is highly rated in a number of different categories: offensive efficiency, effective field goal percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, three point percentage. Yeah two-point percentage, and even block percentage as well. In fact, they're number one in offensive efficiency. That is really impressive. Yeah, they've got a really unique mix uh, from an offensive perspective because they've got the two monsters around the rim uh, who are really efficient players, good passers, pretty decent pretty decent decision makers, obviously forces on the offensive glass. Two, uh, they've got their usual array of shooters around those guys. Sasha Stefanovich, I think, is one of the best in the country. Um Isaiah Thompson had been having a really good year until he hit a little rut here lately. He's two of 18 or something like that in big 10 play. Um, Jaden Ivey's really improved as a shooter, but the guy who kind of brings it all together is Jaden Ivey. I mean, he's an absolutely uh, special offensive player. I think what people forget about him too is, you know, everybody has him as a lottery pick. Everybody has him as an all American, things like that. Is he still a relatively young player? And he and Zach Eady both, uh, are just sophomores who played one season of college basketball under really weird circumstances last year. And both of those guys are still getting better. I think Jaden Ivey's come a long way in his decision-making. Uh, as an offensive player, I think the last four or five games, uh, the last four games ever since the Wisconsin game, I can't remember how many games Purdue's played because the Michigan game got postponed. But he's really starting to figure some things out defensively. Uh, that's where he's kind of struggled this season. Um, but I think he has really 
been dialed in defensively much more so than he was earlier, and that's made Purdue a better defensive team. I think Zach Eady uh, has sort of learned from the Wisconsin game that he has to play really physical and really tough to start games. That was something maybe he wasn't doing before. I don't know if that had to do with kind of feeling out the officials or what. But both of those guys, the last three, four games or whatever, have really made steps to fill in some of the gaps in their games prior. And for both of those guys, the sky's kind of the limit here um, in terms of what they're capable of at the college level. And uh, I think Jaden Ivey really, as good as he is right now, he's really only scratching the surface. He's a fraction, I think, of the player he's going to be here in a couple of years. Uh, when he hits that ceiling, he will not be at Purdue, obviously. Um, but I think he is getting better. Um, with every game and he's kind of the guy that brings this whole thing together because he gives you a real playmaker between the really unique blend and depth you have on the interior and the uh all the shooters you have on the perimeter really good stuff brian newbert goldenblack.com he also has lots of good preview content about tonight's iu purdue game uh final question brian we got about two minutes left if you're matt painter and purdue and I liked how you said uh, the lineup, you've got the two monsters around the rim and the other size. H- how do you try to slow down or maybe stop Trace Jackson Davis, who's been really good and almost unstoppable at times for Indiana this season? Well, I think you have to keep doing what you've been doing the last couple of years. You've got to keep a body between him and the, him and the rim at all times. You have to try to try to make him shoot jump shots if, if, he will, if he will take the bait. But you have to try to bother him with your size. Purdue has done a really good job this year with their hard doubles in the post. And I would imagine he's going to see a lot of those. We will see too, what kind of shape he's in. Obviously he took a pretty nasty spill at Nebraska. If he's limited, um, obviously that would be a real problem for, for him in Indiana, especially with what he he has, has to go up against in terms of Zach Eady and Travion Williams and all the extra attention he's going to draw. I think Indiana probably has some more weapons around him relative to the last couple of years. I, I think I'd, I'd worry more about Parker Stewart and Miller Cop now than I would have Al Durham and those guys before uh, in terms of being able to spread the floor and whatnot. This isn't going to be easy for Purdue. You know, people look at this like, you know, Purdue's won the last nine games here and they kind of take it for granted. But these games haven't been easy on Purdue. Purdue's done a really good job preparing for Indiana. Purdue has focused for Indiana, I think, more than they have uh, some other opponents. They've been really well prepared, and they're going to have to play really well tonight to get this. I think this is one of those games where I, this is one of those games where Indiana's, you know, you know, proverbially preparing to print off t-shirts about this one and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be pretty, uh, it's going to be pretty lively in there, and um, I'm sure Indiana's sick of losing to these guys, and, uh, you know, I, I think I think rivalries are kind of cyclical, and uh, Indiana's time's probably coming, but uh, it would be a tall order for them to get it tonight. Absolutely. Brian Newbert, great stuff. Goldenblack.com. Brian, great to catch up. We'll do it again soon. No problem, Matt. Thanks for having me. IU Purdue tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off, 6 o'clock pregame here on the Big X. We'll recap it all tomorrow, Friday at 11 a.m. on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.